welcome to the Emerging Leaders Podcast. My name is Katrina Bates, and I am on the ride of my life helping launch a brand new school of ministry at United with Christ Church in Central New York. As you spend time with me, we will discuss practical strategies to help us better discern God's leading, navigate obstacles, and emerge as leaders in this generation. At United with Christ School of Ministry, it's our assignment from God to help you accelerate your calling to build the culture of heaven on earth. If you're interested in learning more about our movement and gaining access to more resources, visit our website, uwcsom.com, and follow uwcsom on Instagram. All right, Kingdom Builders, let's dig in. Welcome back, everybody. So just to recap, this is the Emerging Leaders Podcast, and I am passionate about providing you with resources um, and wisdom from people walking in success and anointing and fulfillment so that you too can accomplish the destinies and purposes of God for your life. So today I have a friend of mine, a pastor of mine, um, Terry Parks, with us. Um, He's a trusted leader in my church and a part of our apostolic network. Um, He's also pastored a couple different churches, been a part of a couple different apostolic movements, and he has so much to offer. So Terry, hi. Do you want to say hi to our audience? Hello, Terry Parks here. Thank you so much, Katrina, for inviting me to be a part of this. I'm excited to get started. Wonderful. So, Terry, I've been defining for our audience success as feeling fulfilled and using one's gift to advance God's purposes on the earth. Um, There's probably a bunch of different ways to think of success for yourself. How would you say you define success or measure fulfillment in your own life? Um, There's a great deal of confidence and comfort knowing that you're doing the will of the Father. Mm, amen. And, um, you know, and typically that looks like helping others. And so, um, you know, recently I've been teaching it on the love that Christ talks about. He mentions it in John 13 and John 15. And, you know, of course, the, the Greek has a lot of different words for love, but the specific one that I'm talking about is agape love. Mm-hmm. And it's the love that's the un conditional, unmerited favor, uh, self, self-sacrificing, self selfless type of love. And um, when Jesus told the disciples, I want you to love, not like you love each other, but love like I have loved you. And so we're talking next level love. Yeah. And so <clears throat> when you kind of start to see that and start to pursue that and start to sense that, you sense... Uh, you sense a level of success, and you sense a level of uh, joy when you see people apprehend that. Mm-hmm. And um, and so you know, so helping others really, I think, is and and being successful on some level, I think, is definitely the most fulfilling fulfilling thing I I experience. That's really awesome for you. What type of scenarios do you find yourself in where you're like, wow, I'm profoundly experiencing the love of God and loving people and helping people right now? Well, usually you get an interesting feedback from people when they sense it and experience it. And so, you know, usually there's some verbal <clears throat> feedback there. Um, and then the other thing is, is when you see them begin to model it in their own life and in their own family. And so there's a great deal of confidence and joy there. Um, and so does that kind of answer your question? Yeah. Like, how do you love loving people? And what, 
situation. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, like, you know, one of the ways we love them is get into their life and invite them into your life. Mm -hmm. And then as you walk in community, you begin to rub off on each other and experience each other's successes and challenges. And then you get in the, you know, get your shoulder behind the challenges that they face and just begin to, to minister into that. Yep. And so, um, you know, I think our natural person, our natural flesh tends to want to reject people that are flawed. And we forget the fact that we're all flawed. <laughs> and so, um, so anyhow, loving people through the flaw and then seeing them begin to change mm-hmm. and move past the flaws. And, you know, part of that happens when they start to see their own flaws, too. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, you know, a lot of times through a trusted relationship, people let you speak into their lives. And, uh, and I think that's the, the power of community and power of being part of a tribe and part of your, you know, finding your kingdom family. Um, you know, awesome. a lot of times people don't take the time to invest the relational capital into another person before they try to address things that they see as character issues or flaws. And I think that that uh, aborts the whole process, you know. Yes. And so, so it's really important to be patient, uh, allow the relationship to develop where there's a trust level, when you can then begin to say, you know, I saw this and, you know, have you ever thought about this? And so there's a way to address things in a way that's diplomatic, loving, and kind, because the truth of the matter is, is that we can be right factually and wrong by the spirit Mm -hmm. that we come across with. Yeah. When people think pastor, you usually think pulpit, altar ministry. So the expected response from a pastor, you think it's going to be, oh, I, I love people by giving great sermons. And you do give great sermons, but I love that you immediately went to community yeah. And that so is your that is what you embody and what you demonstrate so well is community building and really loving people. Didier said something when he was here about how our pastors smell like the sheep. Yeah. Um, and because they spend time with the sheep and they're among the sheep, they're not separate in some ivory tower or right. far away. And you you do do that so well. I remember one of the first times we met you, you came to visit this church um, on a visitor Sunday. So we always had these meals up in the, our cafe. Right, um, which promotes community which, and relationships. Exactly. And you came right over to our table, um, which, you know, a table of, at the time, like early 20-somethings, and sat with us. And I just thought that was so sweet. You didn't care about the age discrepancy or even feel like you were more important or like you needed to be with people who are more important or whatever. You <laughs> were just, you just wanted to to get to know us and, and yeah. be with all of us. So I really love and respect that about you so much. Thanks. Yeah, I think ministry, ultimately, if you don't love people, um, then you're probably not in the right field. And, <laughs> well said. You, you know, and so that, <clears throat> but yeah, I, I just love people. I especially love people that are in the 20s and 30s because they're in the, that really stage of life where they're, uh, they're getting a formation in their thinking and in their spirit, their heart about what, their purpose and calling is. And, um, and so I just have a heart to father and love people and mentor people like that. You know, uh, I feel like it's a strength of mine. I've always been involved in training and teaching mm-hmm. in some level. And so, so cool. When uh, you were in your twenties and your thirties at that time, what did you perceive was the call of God in your life? Well, um, I probably had the first prophetic word uh, about ministry and pastoring when I was in the Air Force. I was probably 24, 25. Um, But I was already 
leading Bible studies, leading worship, doing things like that, and uh, had a passionate hunger for the Word of God at a very, you know, soon after I got saved, and that never, never abated. And so, um, you know, I think that for me, um, it wasn't a surprise when it came, but the surprise was, is, wait, I like the Air Force, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, but, you know, so through that, I began to be uh, asked to lead other things, to begin to preach and different things. And so, um, so it was fairly young. Um, for me, I would consider that young, 24, 25 years old. Um, so that's when I think mm-hmm. I first started to see it, but I didn't initially embrace it mm-hmm. because I liked the military. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you would change going back if you could, or do you f- feel like that was all purposeful? And Well, I think, I think that... Um, when, when we get an introduction, you know, the prophetic word is just an introduction and an opportunity. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's struck in stone. That's one mm-hmm. course of action. And I think yeah. that initially it takes a while sometimes for your spirit to embrace that. And um, because, you know, all of us in some ways probably have uh, a course that we're pursuing in our life. And so for me at that time, I was a career military guy, and I thought mm-hmm. that that was going to be um, at min- a minimum of 20-year commitment. And um, so the initial um, prophetic word about pastoring, you know, it was an initial introduction to the thought. And so you kind of stew and marinate in that and let it sink in. You don't, you know, I didn't reject it, Mm -hmm. but I didn't fully embrace it. And so then, um, interestingly, I had several other people that were just friends that are just like, dude, I can see this is all over you. I don't know what you're resisting. And I, I, I was just like, I'm not resisting. I just don't see it yet. Yeah. And then I had a, several other prophetic words and then other highly respected ministers that begin to identify it and embrace that and encourage me to embrace it. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, and a lot of times others will see in us what we cannot see in us. And so, again, that's what's so powerful about walking and living in community of trusted friends and believers that um, can see the strength in you and see the potential in you that you cannot see because, you know, we're looking from the other side of our eyeballs. They're looking yeah. from the outside. And so, uh-huh. you know, their viewpoint and perspective is entirely 180 degrees different. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we see ourselves with our flaws, our shortcomings, our, you know, uh, lack of confidence, insecurities in certain areas, wishing we were like somebody else or doing something different. And, and so I think that, uh, you know, as a a person who is being identified in a, uh, as a leader, you know, first of all, I had to, looking back, I realized I was already leading. Mm-hmm. It just was informal. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, uh, you know, it just, it just takes a while to get the adjustment in your heart, you know, sometimes. Yeah. So what was that decision process like when you finally hit the tipping point of switching from the military and whatever that paycheck looked like, to switching to full-time ministry, whatever that paycheck looked like. You had a family at that point, right? How did you make that call? Yeah. Well, um, I just, my heart and hunger was always to please the Father, you know? Mm -hmm. And I felt like if he um, called me to it, then he'll provide for it. And, you know, as simplistic as that sounds, you know, you sure you try to map it out, but you don't know how that's going to happen. Right. The truth is, is as much as I tried to see it, it didn't happen the way I thought it would, mm-hmm. and it seldom does. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so I was in the Air Force. I had recently just reenlisted, 
And as soon as I did that, I sensed in my spirit, the Lord said, that's the last time you're going to do that. Wow. So that would have been um, about 1988 or 89, no, 88. And so at that time, I was stationed in the United Kingdom uh, in the Air Force. I got, it got time to transfer back to the States. And God is so faithful. He ordered my steps so uniquely. Um, as I was pursuing the Lord and pursuing His purpose, being faithful and diligent in every area, I was leading worship, I was leading Bible studies, and just loving people and loving on the Lord and growing and growing. And I just began to develop this passion for praying in the Spirit, praying in tongues. And, and as I did that, the Holy Spirit just began to open, the, open my thinking, open my eyes, and I began to see, wow, why don't we have apostles and prophets today? I'm like 24 years old. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we're supposed to have those till we come to the unity of the faith, to the full stature of the Son of God. And so yeah. why don't we see those? And so I begin to see that the Lord was beginning to stir something in me in that, the fivefold ministry. And, and then he began to divinely connect me with other people that begin to see it and begin to sow into that and begin to define that a little bit more and help me define it. Well, then I transferred from United Kingdom to uh, Tyndall Air Force Base, Florida, which happens to be the Air Force Base that got wiped off the beach uh, this uh, a year ago in Oct October with oh. a hurricane. But I, uh, I was looking for a church that had a Christian school, and I heard about this church called The Rock in Panama City, Florida. And so I heard they had a Christian school. We went there for the first Sunday. And as soon as I stepped into the lobby of the church, I sensed the Holy Spirit say, this is the place, don't go anywhere else. Mm. Well, you know, I had natural thinking, like, well, I want to try a bunch of different churches. You know, there's lots of good churches, I'm sure. But it was very clear before I even stepped into the service, this was a clear word from the Lord. And so as soon as I stepped into the service and the lead minister began to speak, everything the Holy Spirit began showing me in, when I was in the United Kingdom about the fivefold ministry and many other different things, it all synced up. It was just like all of a sudden connect the dots, you just got the whole picture. And so so it was just a natural thing. I mean, God was so uh, divinely ordered my steps, and it doesn't always happen that way. Um, it usually doesn't happen as quickly as we like. But it, So anyhow, I got connected to that ministry in uh, June of 1989, and um, I was connected with that ministry for the next 25 years. And that was the ministry that launched me into the full-time ministry as, as a pastor. I, I left the military in 1992, uh, came on staff there as an associate pastor in 93, and then they sent me out to uh, plant to work in 95 late. And so, yeah. I love that in, in both of your stories, in, in the instance of the last time you're going to enlist in the Air Force and also which community to invest in and become a part of, it was the voice of God to you directly. It was Rama right from the spirit yeah. that that was how you made choices and made decisions. Yeah, That's and really you know, powerful. once you so once you surrender to the voice and will of God, mm -hmm. for me, now everybody's not like this and we're all wired differently and I appreciate that and respect that, but for me that settled it. And so, mm -hmm. you know, when you know it's the when you know it's a director from the Lord, to me that takes it out of the realm of uh, options. So, you know, and it's just like, you know, my recent transition um, out of the workforce into mm -hmm. full-time ministry. You know, to me, I knew that this was coming. I didn't know how it would present itself. But again, uh, divine appointments, divine circumstances begin to align. And when it was aligned, I knew it was time to pull the trigger. So good. Yeah. And so, you know, so when that happens, for me, that takes it out of my hands. And, and uh, when I know it's 
the spirit driven thing, I, I don't have an option in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, for you, especially in your earlier years, like twenties and thirties, what was a prominent soul struggle or trial that you overcame? Hmm. It could be later too. Could anything that was like a reoccurring voice that you had to like put down. I'm just thinking there's, there's probably listeners who are going to resonate with that prophetically and like be able to grab that and then learn from you of how, how to overcome that lie or that voice. Yeah. I'm trying to think, um, take your time. Yeah. I mean, you know, first of all, I think almost every young man struggles with lustful thoughts and different things like that. And so Mm -hmm. I think that that's probably common and certainly one that, you know, I dealt with as any other young man. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, uh, you know, and as you, as you deal with it, address it, you know, first of all, you feel like, why is this happening? I'm a Christian, blah, 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 you know? <laughs> all the con- condemning thoughts. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's like, you know, we forget that, you know, just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that you've unplugged from reality, you mm-hmm. know, and the natural as well. <clears throat> so um, so I think that was a, you know, I think that's a challenge common to every young person. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, I shouldn't say everyone, but, but most. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I think that that was something, and again, it's like, there's a confidence that comes walking in obedience. And so I had to figure out, okay, just because you have that thought that's injected, that fiery dart from the enemy, doesn't make you evil, wrong, or filthy. It's what you do with it. And so, you know, learning to cast down vain imaginations, you know, dealing with the dialogue in your head. You know, the Romans one twenty one, I think it is, talks about casting down vain imaginations. And the Greek term there for the vain imaginations is dialogosmos, which has to do with dialogue, the internal dialogue, that self-talk that we have. And um, so beginning to cast down vain imaginations. And, you know, a lot of times when people have a struggle, they focus on the struggle instead of focus on the answer. And um, and so rather than say, oh, i got to quit having these bad thoughts, don't go at it that direction. Instead, replace the thoughts with the right thoughts. Because whatever you focus on becomes magnified. Mm-hmm. So if I'm focusing on, oh, I have bad thoughts, oh, I have bad thoughts, I want to put down bad thoughts, all right, well, then you're just meditating the bad thoughts. And so instead, replace that with good thoughts. And so, you know, a lot of that happens when we, we have so many wonderful tools today. You know, I can ride down the road in my vehicle uh, with the, the Bible being read to me through Bluetooth yeah. on my iPhone mm-hmm. in the cab of my car. Same thing with music, same thing with, the, you know, movies. And so, you know, we have these gates, the eye gate, the ear gate coming at us all the time. And we have, you know, sensory overload so much, you know. Yeah. And if we use that in the right direction, it will rub out mm-hmm. all the negative. And mm-hmm. so, you know, so what are you feeding? You know, if you're, if you're watching movies and, and listening to violent music or whatever, well, what do you think the fruit of that's going to be? It just doesn't problem. make any sense <laughs> yes. to think, I just wish I didn't have these thoughts. And then, you know, listening to, you know, music about kill the police and all this kind of <laughs> stuff, you know, it's like, I wonder where those come from. You know, it just doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. So just using a little bit of common sense and, you know, sometimes common sense is the least common of the senses, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, but, you know, just using the wonderful tools that we have, you know. I put a lot of stuff on my social media that I think are some of the wonderful tools. YouTube, fantastic tool. You know, I've been putting a lot of things on about the Bible Project. Wonderful 
strong, clear communication on, you know, some things that are complex biblical things, and he makes it so clear, and you get mm-hmm. to see it almost like in cartoon form drawn out in front of you. Yeah, we've watched a couple of those videos They're fantastic. in school ministry yeah. for your recommendation. They're really good. They are fantastic. Yeah, I recommend them for anybody. Yep. So I love the the thought, overload your senses with things of the Spirit. Yeah. It's so good. Um, what are some like scriptures, like what were the things that you meditated on to deal with the lust issue specifically? I, it's uncomfortable to camp there, but I feel like maybe we just should for a second. Yeah. Well, I, I think really uh, there's a combination. I love worship. I love mm-hmm. music. I love praying in the Spirit. I love the Word. And so all of those things was a, was a combination, mm-hmm. you know, uh, of just meditating and and marinating in the presence, in the Word, and different things like that. And and, uh, you know, the scripture talks about, uh, you know, when a man prays in an unknown tongue or speaks in an unknown tongue, he edis- is edifying himself. Yeah. And it, when I initially heard that, you know, because it's kind of comparing the gift of tongues with the gift of prophecy, you know, that when a man speaks in an unknown tongue, he edifies himself, but when a man prophesies, he edifies the church. Mm-hmm. And so I had this kind of thing where it's like, oh, well, I should be prophesying instead edifying and edifying other the church. People. Well, it uh-huh. doesn't mean that speaking in an unknown tongue is right. bad. Right. It's just... It's just showing a dimension of, okay, one thing edifies your own spirit. Another thing edifies everyone's spirit. Yeah. Both are good. Yes. And both, both have their place. Happen. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. So it wasn't, uh, you know, like a, attacking it by a cer- certain scripture. It was mm-hmm. just a consistent pursuit of what I wanted, which was the kingdom. Awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, the evidence of desire is pursuit. And mm-hmm. so if you're... Uh, struggling, you know, and you're not sure what you want. Well, look at wh- where are your pursuits, you know? Are mm-hmm. we pursuing golf more than the kingdom? Well, then that's your desire, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, sometimes I hear, like, questions <laughs> that I imagine other people will sure. ask. Mm-hmm. When you say um, that your main desire was the kingdom, yeah. what does that mean to you? What What does it look like to live for the kingdom for you? Well, first of all, you know, you have to look at the elements of the kingdom. And the first element is a king. And so, you know, so then we're talking about government. Then Mm -hmm. we're talking about uh, within a government, there's a structure and and order. And so for me, you know, seek first the kingdom. What we're really talking about is letting the values and virtues of King Jesus govern every area of your life, your money, your family, Mm -hmm. your uh, relationship with your spouse if you have one, your relationship with your kids if you have one, how you function within the body of Christ, your local body, how faithful you are. And so do uh, those things reflect kingdom values. And, our, you know, and part of that kingdom values uh, is consistency, too, that we, we all need to develop. You know, I may not be the most gifted person and, you know, compared to others, but all of us can be faithful. And the definition of faithful is full of faith. Mm-hmm. We don't think of it like that. Mm-hmm. But True. I will take faithful over gifted any day of the week because you can count on faithful. Gifted, maybe not so much. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Yeah, because I've, I've walked with some very gifted people. Um, I had a, a guy that I really loved and who's a tremendous prophet and had a great gift of mirac- the miraculous, but his character undermined everything he did, and it shipwrecked him. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, I would go places in public with this, like, where'd he go? And then all of a sudden you realize he's laying hands on somebody and we're in a restaurant and there are, you know, signs and wonders happening over here in the corner, you know. But the guy couldn't keep his act together because he didn't have the depth of character. And so sometimes your your gift will take you where your character isn't developed enough to hold you. Yeah. So one last question about character. So praying in tongues, that's like an awesome Huge. tool. Reading Huge. the word, overwhelming your senses um, with with truth. Um, what else would you say or, or one more thing that you think is really powerful for purposing to develop character and faithfulness? Yeah, well, I think, I think being committed to a body mm-hmm. and making yourself accountable to the leadership, I think, is really powerful. Yeah. And it's powerful to have other brothers and sisters that you walk with that, you know, you have that de- depth of relationship where if they say, dude, I thought you said you were going to be here and we were counting on you and you didn't show up. Where were you? Yeah. You know, and yeah. so, um, you know, <clears throat> accountability is always really nice as long as it's going the other direction. But when it comes back at us, sometimes it's, it's a little hurtful, you know, and we get yeah. our, little, our little feelings hurt. Yeah. And, um, but, you know, it's got to be real. And relationship has to be real. And that means that you don't, you know, break and run every time it gets uncomfortable. Yeah. One thing I've noticed is that the thing that God uses to build character every time is relationship and community. Like the things that hurt and and grade us or the things that are the most difficult to overcome, they're they're all found within relationships and they all ultimately develop character. It's like outside of that, it's impossible to develop your character all on your own. You can develop your gifts. You can spend time in the presence and um, hear the audible flow of the voice of God, but it's like through interacting with sometimes hurt and broken people too. Sure. That develops our character. Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> you know, the same ability to have walk in a relationship and for others to see strengths and purpose in mm-hmm. you that you can't see. Mm-hmm. Well, there's the, that's a double-edged sword, so they sometimes can also see the flaws and character issues that you need to work on that mm-hmm. you can't see. And, um, and so, you know, tr- having developed the level of trust, re- investing in the relational dynamic enough where they can say, hey, did you know that you said this and you kind of were a, a little sharp with this person or, or, you know, did you know you did do this or didn't do that? You know, that needs to be there too. Right. And... Um, so, you know, and the, the truth of the matter is, is almost every answer to prayer is going to come through people. Amen. Yeah. Almost every, every uh, uh, encouragement is going to come through people. And so, you know, the biggest tool of the enemy is isolation. Yep. If I can get you out of community, if I can get you isolated in your own thoughts, where there's a vacuum of input from other people... Where there's a vacuum of information, you're left to go down the rat hole of the worst scenario. And so you begin to think people think crazy stuff about you. You think crazy stuff about yourself. And so uh, it's just harmful. And so um, community is the answer for so, so much. Yeah, totally. It's a vulnerable and brave place to go there. Yeah. But the benefits are endless and so necessary in order to accomplish the call and purposes of God. Terry, thank you so much for You're sharing welcome. and all the amazing wisdom that you've imparted. Do you have anything else you want to say before we... Uh, well, Katrina, you're you're just such a blessing and I, I love your family. I oh, love your, thanks, you know, you and your husband are a tremendous dynamic team and I'm excited about what you're doing here and I see uh, 
this is going to blossom. You got a great future, and thank you for inviting me. Thanks. I received that. Thanks for coming. Thanks.